Welcome to the Daily Boogie. And a good evening, everyone. Chris McDonald with the Mac Files. It is always good to see my screen go dark on this side. <laughs> because if it's dark and I can't see the person I'm talking to, it must be the boogie bumper. And it is, my dear buddy, down from below, Australia. Good to see you, mate. The Daily Bumper, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights at 11 o'clock. He follows the Mac Files. We warm up the airways for him and get everybody pumped up. And then you just go right on in the boogie show. And uh, everybody's uh, needs therapy by 11, though. That's why. <laughs> That's why Boogie is therapy compared to Chris during the first uh, hour, but anyway. Hey, man, it's good to see you. Been a long time. How are you? Good, Chris. Good. It's good to be with you. I don't know if it's therapy coming into my program. I think people leave a great deal worse than when they enter, <laughs> to be fair, Chris. I mean, uh, I've got to be honest here. I've got to be honest here. You know, I think people come out a lot worse than what they go in, but that's what we yeah. like to do late at yeah. night. You know, we're the late totally. night crew. So. That's why we do the late night thing, Boog, That's because right. we figure the people up at late at night, they're they're, they're probably night owls and uh, don't get a lot of sleep. So they That's can't right. they can't comprehend what we're trying to say anyway. So we're good, you know. We we have to give that late night effect. I think That's we right. do pretty good. I mean, James, night. let James talk to people in the daylight hours. Let him yeah. be the positive one, the uplifting <laughs> one. Oh, we're yeah. winning! We're winning! Donald Trump is amazing. He does everything right, and then. <laughs> Then you come on with a guest who says that the demons are coming out of the earth and are going to rape and murder us all. And then I jump on and do my thing and say, look, the corporate press is lying to you and Twitter is going to be monitoring our children and, you know, uh, kidnapping our minds until we're all dead. And then the next day, James comes out and says, don't worry about all that. We're winning. It's great. It's fine. <laughs> we yeah. make his job harder. <laughs> Make his job very hard, James. James, that's why James smokes that Hawaiian coconut out there while he's watching our show. Buggy. That's why he does that. And uh, my pirate radio on Friday night, James is just saying, "Oh my God, what am I going to deal with McDonald for an hour?" He's, he's just, I think he he shakes like this every eleven thirty rolls around. Like, what the hell am I going to get tonight? You know. Fantastic. But uh, no, we know James to death. We do. He's he's my buddy, and you are too. And. Uh, uh, the last time I came on the Tav show, I fell asleep. I promise. Next time I come, I'll take a, a Xanax or something to make sure it keeps me awake or whatever. But uh, you know that that's a, another story. I want to say this about Boogie. I, I have to I have to say this tongue in cheek a little bit because um, I'm sure that these same idiots are watching tonight. But Chris put a meme out a few weeks ago uh, that had a um, live aid crowd. And the crowd, the, the meme at the bottom said something to the effect, this is not Live Aid, this is a Donald Trump rally, which you can read whatever you want to in that. I think the person just, if they had worded it with one word different, they could have said this is a Live Aid rally, but this is also the size of Donald Trump's crowds, because if you don't know what Live Aid was, it was one of the most popular stadium field events back in the 80s and 90s. But the right-wing watch people picked that up, and Chris's Twitter feed went crazy. And Boogie defended my honor, and I just I want to thank him so much. Well, I, to be fair, I did say on my show, uh, I don't know what this is about. I can't find the original tweet. Um, but if Chris has got it wrong, then I think it's very funny, and sometimes you've just got to take the L. But let's be honest here. You wouldn't be the first person on earth to be tricked by a meme because – uh, we now know that you know the corporate media are 
falling over themselves to declare this a symbol of white supremacy. And that, that, true, but- that was actually started by the people on 4chan who literally said, let's get everybody saying that this is a symbol of white supremacy. And now they all do say it's a symbol of white supremacy, even though they acknowledge that it was a meme started on 4chan. They say, <laughs> yes, it was a meme started on 4chan, but it's still a symbol of white supremacy. So, I mean, if we're going to make fun of people for getting tricked by memes, let's make that the baseline. <laughs> and everything yeah, else absolutely. is kind of pales into insignificance after that point. So, yeah, But you do have absolutely. to sometimes take the L. You, you have to take I, the L sometimes. Uh, I took my medicine and, uh, you know. <laughs> you took I a bath on that one. <laughs> yeah, I took a bath on that one. Chris has been known to take a few baths in his life. And, uh <laughs> embarrassed and uh had to go into hiding for a few weeks and, and not surface again till the heat's off but these, <laughs> into uh, the bunker these, i have to admit to you though bro these damn leftists can't take a joke man i swear these are a bunch of the most stuck up yeah right we can watch you go ahead and write what you want to write i don't care but they are the most stuck up bunch of assholes in the freaking world i've never seen anything like it that they get triggered at something like that i mean and i still i've been wondering for a few weeks what about that was so triggering? I mean, the truth of the matter is the Donald Trump rallies, Boogie, probably had more than that Live 8 picture. I mean, they're in the June 18th event where he announced his candidacy. Uh, my Lord, man, they had, they, had fit, they, had, they, had, they had a stadium that could seat 20,000. They sold 100,000 tickets mm-hmm. to that event where he was announcing his 2020 campaign. Mm-hmm. So to be honest with you, the meme understated, underreported, you know, how many people were at a Trump rally. But these leftists, man, they get triggered at stuff like that. And um, they're triggered tonight because Chris said something about the illegals coming in and uh, complaining and bitching about not having toothpaste and soap. Mm. And let me just put a little warning on this show. If you snowflakes out there have a problem with real language talk tonight, this this one might be good to sit out. Uh, me and Boogie, we're just going to talk straight to each other and straight to you guys. But um, if they if they want to bitch about coming into our country and bitching about the detention center having toothpaste or not having toothpaste and soap for the kids, uh, you know something, Boogie. The way I look at it is this: this is not the Holiday Inn of America. <laughs> this is not the Hampton Inn. These people are coming across the border illegally. They drug their kids a hundred miles in the desert. Without toothpaste and soap, without water, without food. Hell, they had two. They had a father and a daughter drown the other day. And I heard the story directly from somebody that was on the border that knew this personally. The woman, the mother, had begged the dad, "Don't do this. Don't take our daughter across that desert because it's dangerous." When in one ear and out the other, he drags that girl seventy-five miles. <clears throat> from Mexico, and then he winds up in the Rio Grande Valley, and by the time they get there, they try to swim, and they can't, and the daughter and him both die. Hmm. Now, is that America's fault? Hell no, it's not America's fault. And it's not our fault that these detention centers are not the Waldorf Astoria, nor the Holiday Inn. And again, Boogie, it's the whole argument the left is making that that we are obligated to take care of people that are breaking our laws, and I would argue vehemently vehemently that that is not our moral obligation is it our moral obligation to treat them with respect and i think we do that i do believe we treat them with respect we've never treated anybody but then they turn right around and put their middle finger up to us when they get in after they do get in here illegally and you know what these bastards do 
They walk around carrying Mexican and Guatemalan and Honduras and El Salvadorian flags and saying, Donald Trump is racist. Donald Trump is racist. America's racist. And blank you. Mm-hmm. That's wrong, Boogie. That's wrong. Well, a, a couple of things, Chris. First of all, if if the supplies of soap and toothpaste are low would that not indicate what some people have said all along that there is indeed a crisis that there are too many people coming across the border absolutely Um, you know i think it would be foolish to assume that people who work in these centers are deliberately withholding toothpaste and soap from children because anybody who knows anyone who's done work in this area will know that these people who care for these children who come across the border who work for very very low money uh, and they are very dedicated and very committed people to ensuring the best possible care for these kids. You know, you don't go into this line of work unless you have a heart of gold, right? So they don't care so much about the politics. That's out of their realm. What they care about is when these kids come into their care, they want to feed them, they want to clothe them, they want to wash them, they want to pat their little heads while they fall asleep. And with, this was proven, remember, when Melania Trump went down to the detention centre last year and spoke with all of these caregivers. And they said, you know, the politics stuff, that's what you guys deal with. But here, we just want to give the best possible care. Now, if there is, if we're running out of soap and toothpaste at the border, then I would direct uh, one's attention back to Congress and the failure of Congress to pass the spending bill in order to ensure the correct amount of money and supplies gets down to these places for their own political agenda, for their own reasons. Um, remember, before the midterms, Chris, there was no crisis. It's a manufactured crisis. It's all an invention of Donald Trump. The day after the midterms, oh, there's a crisis and it's all Donald Trump's fault. So, I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I fail to, you know, I, I'm not going to be dragged into these little um, these little battles about toothpaste and soap. It's nothing to do with the bigger picture. So, and, you know, you'd be foolish if you thought that was the main issue here, right? So, and the other thing to mention here too, the picture of the, the boy and his child, his daughter, dead. Um, people have very short memories. This is exactly how the European migrant crisis started, with a picture exactly. of a boy on a beach. Right. And it was the exact same lines being used back then. Um, this picture was on all of the mainstream media publications in Western Europe, and the commentary around it was, this is not who we are. We need to open our hearts. We need to let these people in. We need to be more empathetic. And then you had the subsequent flow-on problems from letting between two and three million people into Europe unchecked, unvetted, and you know all of the associated problems that went along with that. Uh, crime went up in Germany, France, other places, unemployment, right? People sleeping in the streets. It becomes a problem then for the next two or three generations to deal with. And these politicians will be long retired with their pensions. They won't have to deal with the problem. It'll be somebody else's problem by then, right? So the exact same thing is happening now with this picture on the southern border of the United States. And incidentally, um, you know, you mentioned why this guy, uh, his, his wife was telling him, please don't go, please don't take our child. People don't remember that that boy that was washed up on the beach in Europe, the story behind that was his dad was living quite comfortably in Turkey not in direct, you know, not in the war path of any particular regime. He wasn't under direct threat. He wanted to go to Germany to get a free dentist visit because he had sore teeth. So he wanted to go to Germany to get his teeth checked. He dragged his children on the boat. The boat crashed and his family drowned. And he survived, mind you. The father survived. His children died. 
and that was the reason for him getting his children on that boat to make that perilous journey to Europe was because he wanted a free dentist checkup. So, you know, um, is that Europe's fault? No. 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 And it's not America's fault either, Boogie. No. It's not our One fault. might and be able to blame the politicians, issue. though. I think the I politicians. Blame the politicians. Yep. I, I don't think. And here's the thing, too. If you're if you're getting targeted by people online, um, if I can speak for you, I, and I think for most people this is accurate. I don't think anybody blames the people who are making the journey. No. Because no, who wouldn't want a better? Who wouldn't want a better um, economic? Uh, who wouldn't want more opportunity in an economic? Uh, time like the United States is experiencing right now. You know, it makes total sense. The money, the honey is up on the table, so the bees will go to the honey, right? Um, the problem is, though, whilst we don't blame people who want to try and attempt to enter the country illegally, they still must be held responsible for their own decisions in making that journey. You know, it's not Donald That's Trump's right. fault that people are making a journey illegally. Um, although we understand their reasons for wanting to come, America and other countries can't be held responsible for them actually trying to get in illegally, right? And that's my point. That's my point. I'm not trying to say, contrary to what was put out there, that the immigrants are not entitled to nothing. I will say this, too. The word immigrants insulting to me, and it's insulting to the millions that have come here legally, have went through the process. These people are not immigrants. They're illegal aliens. And Boogie, I look at it this way, and I've talked to two different people. We've had a lot of interviews this week about the border, a lot of shows about the border this week. And I've said it to everybody. I'm going to say it to you. Same thing with me and you. If I was to be in Australia with you, okay, and here in America, it's the same way I'm sure it is down there, down under. If me and you go out tonight and we rob a bank and we're caught, okay, and we're caught, we become felons. We lose our freedom. We lose our right to vote, and depending on our sentence, when we get out, we've got no really right except just to go, you know, we paid our debt to society, but you still can't vote for the rest of your life according to the law. So you lose all your rights, basically, if you break the law. And the way I look at this, and maybe maybe I'm missing it here. Maybe somebody can show me the light. Uh, you can show me the money, too, but just show me the life right now. Uh, Jerry Maguire moment there. Um, but if if they're coming in here illegally to begin with, to me, that removes every single argument at the start. All other arguments become invalid about the conditions they're coming into, about how they're handled, about how they're treated, about whether the border agents mishandled them, about whether they suffered pain or suffering. I'm not saying that in a callous, cold, disheartening, unhearted way, Boogie, but I'm saying it as a citizen of this country that sees our Constitution being used against us, our legal system being used against us. And let me just throw this in. I'll give it back to you. I had a dear friend down on the border, Mara Gutierrez, made a great point to me today. She said, Chris... She said, not every country that these people are coming from are worthy of the asylum claim, meaning just because you want a job doesn't mean you deserve asylum. Mm -hmm. If you're fleeing Venezuela where they're eating dogs, that's a different story. But Boogie, a lot of these people are not coming because their countries are that bad. They just want to come into America and get a free ride. And, you know, whether that's offensive to folks, folks, that's just the facts. That's facts. Something the left can't handle. 
That's something that the Democrats can't handle. Did you? I don't. I know you saw it. I saw it last night. The second part of this debate, and Savannah Guthrie asked the damn question: How many of you here would decriminalize coming over the border as a criminal felony? You know what, Boogie? One hundred percent of the hands went up. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden, Camilla Harris, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, who else was there? Stalwell was there last night. Bernie Sanders was there last night. This was the big boys and the big girls. Gillibrand was there. They all raised their hand to a person. Yes, sir. We will decriminalize them coming over the border. Boogie, that is insulting to every American citizen. But again, I go back to the legal immigrants who have gone the right way. It is an insult to those that have paid the price, waited the process out, got their citizenship papers, and are contributing members of society. That is an insult to the rule of law in this country, my buddy. Yep. Um, there's, there's a problem. In the first debate, one guy, a guy named Tim Ryan, who's from Ohio, mm-hmm crystallized the plight of the modern Democrat Party in yes, one, did. you know, two-minute grab. He said there is a perception problem. He said we need to realign the center of gravity of the Democrat Party and we need to get back to being the party of the working-class people. Now, the the problem for some people who exist in the coastal cities, I suspect, for the Dem- who are Democrat supporters is they believe that their own perception, their own idea of what's right and wrong, specifically when it comes to illegal immigration, speaks for the entirety of the Democrat Party. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, so true. If, if union members and low-paid workers who vote Democrat want any more evidence that their leadership is actively working against their interest, let it be known that they are willing to let un, unchecked, uncounted numbers of people across the border to compete for the same jobs the low-paying jobs, the blue-collar jobs, right? Um, if if you are a Democrat voter and you think that the leadership of the Democrat Party is looking out for the interests of working-class people, don't be so foolish to assume that they mean working-class Americans because they're actually more in line with working-class people from other countries who they will let in to compete directly with you for your low-paid blue-collar job. So uh, that's something to consider. When, when they say, you know, we're happy to have illegal immigration decriminalized, I can't think of any nation on earth. Because an, another situation was, Chris, another solution they were saying is, oh, we need to spend more money in the countries these people are coming from. Now, again, if you're a, if you're a low-paid, blue-collar Democrat voter and you're looking for evidence that your party no longer speaks to your interest, let it be known that your party leadership wants to bribe people in other countries not to come to America. Exactly. Um, exactly there is a big, big disconnect here between the leadership of the Democrats and the rank and file members. And when you get these kinds of arguments spewing online, you know, on Twitter, on Facebook, and it's we need to let all of the uh, undocumented immigrants in, you know, they're not all asylum seekers. We know that from a fact. We know that from a fact because we have, uh, you know, countless video records, even on places like CNN and MSNBC, Chris, where they're interviewing these people saying, I'm not a bad person. I'm just coming here for a job. And I say, okay, great. You're coming here for a job, but that means you're not a refugee. You understand that, right? As soon as you say, I'm coming here to find a job, 
you cease to be an asylum seeker, you cease to be a refugee. Now, that's not an issue with racism. That's not an issue with bigotry. That's an issue with no. the UN definition of what an asylum seeker is. So if you have right. some kind of issue right. with um, economic migrants not being counted as asylum seekers, I'm afraid your argument is not with the United States government. Your argument is not with uh, Chris McDonald. Your argument is with the UN. That's that's the people who decide that you're not a, a refugee or an asylum seeker. So you you can't have your cake and eat it too, right? You can't have it that's both right. ways. I'm, I'm glad you put me on the same level as the UN. I just want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope you all, all hear that. Your argument's not with Chris. Go to the UN Go and, the and UN. raise hell there. Bitch them, them a little email. bit. Send them an email. Yeah, send- <laughs> send, send the UN an email. Hey, I, I got to ask you this question, brother. I, look, a uh, c- couple of questions. I, I I don't know if you saw it. I, it caught my attention and it pissed me off from here to heaven. Uh, the Dalai Lama come out this week, past week, and excoriated our country, excoriated Trump. Mm-hmm. Same Dalai Lama that gave a million dollars to this next film sex cult leader, Rainier, uh, for whatever reason. And embrace, you know, basically by doing so, put his seal of approval on these, you know, pedophiles, the rapists, the, the abusers, the sexual assaults, all that. But anyway, anyway, um, he comes out and says that the United States has a moral obligation to take care of migrant children. Boogie, I would argue we're already taking care of migrant children, but we're taking care of legal ones. Mm-hmm. It's not our moral obligation to take care of illegal ones. Are, am I wrong there? Uh, no, no, you're not wrong. Um, the funny, the funny I know thing that is, sounds cold. I no, know no, that no, sounds no. cold. Uh, well, it's re- it's reality though. It's reality. Um, America is not the world's lifeboat. The West is not the world's lifeboat. Um, the, 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 there's just simple. There's just simple logical problems with letting. Un, uncounted, unchecked numbers of people into your country. What about infrastructure? Where are these people going to live? Where are they going to go to school, right? Uh, welfare expenditure. How much money is going to be dragged out of taxpayers in order to pay for all these programs? You know, these federal politicians are very content to stand up there on the little pedestals like they did the other night in these debates and say, we need to let all these people in, let all these people in. We have a heart. It's not them who actually deal with it. Because once the people come in, they get shipped off to some other city. And once they're in other city, you know, they're talking about this community care. Oh, they're going to be cared for in the community. You know what that means? It means it becomes somebody else's problem. It means some social worker who's getting paid $30,000 a year in some inner city suburb who's already working far too much for far, far, a far too small amount of money then has to be responsible for all of these immigrant families who show up. The federal politicians don't want anything to do with these people. They want to let them in. They want to look like the good guy on TV in these debates. And as soon as these people come in, they want to wash their hands of it and then send it off to somebody else. And then it becomes a state issue. Then it becomes a local politics issue. And then they can have the arguments about who's paying for it, who's looking after these people, what schools they go to, where are they going to live. That doesn't happen. That doesn't that doesn't come under the auspice of, you know, what these uh, Democrat federal politicians deal with on a daily basis. So they're, they're more than happy. To, you know, oh, bring them in. But then the actual problems that come from that and the challenges that people are faced with in ingratiating these people into the society, that's nothing, none of their business. They don't have anything to do with it. 
So I just find right. all of the all of the speech making very shallow and very empty. And it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And just on regards to the Dalai Lama, I found a quote here from a guy named Ashen Wirathu. Now, if you don't know who Ashen Wirathu is, he's regarded as the warlord monk. Okay? The same religion as the Dalai Lama. And this is a direct quote when his uh, community was under direct threat from people, uh, Islamic followers of Islam who were trying to invade his land. He said, you can be full of kindness and love, but you cannot sleep next to a mad dog. If we are weak, <laughs> our land will become Muslim. So, That's you right. know, people want to go around quoting Buddhist monks. Okay, there's a Buddhist monk for you. Ashin Wirathu, look him up yourself. <laughs> so. great, uh, that's a great, that's a great point. Uh, you know, and speaking of Buddhist, uh, I hope people. Uh, I saw a movie uh, here a few weeks ago, a few days ago, called The Hotel Mumbai, and uh, it was a recanting of the 2008 attacks on the Taj Hotel there in mm-hmm. Mumbai, uh, and it was it was basically how uh, it was a, a series of attacks. I mean, I think 70 people got killed, several hundred injured. It was yep. an awful, awful event november of that year 2008 right after obama got elected interesting um just a few weeks after that and there was a scene in the movie that epitomized a lot of things and it really epitomized what i heard on that democratic stage uh this past week boogie the two of the killers had machine guns okay and they were walking around just literally mowing people down in the hotel there was this cart and one of the killers picks up a piece of pork and eats the pork. The other guy with the machine gun comes over there and slaps the pork out of his hand and says, Allah will be displeased with you if you do that. Okay? Now, here they are, killing people, mm-hmm. shooting them down, boom, 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 in cold blood. Allah's not upset about that. And the people that were responsible for it were on the phone telling him, make these Americans pay. Show the world what kind of power we've got. Kill them all. Cut their throats. Show the world how vicious we are. And they get upset about eating a piece of pork, okay? These Democrats, they sit there Tuesday and Wednesday night, or Thursday night, Wednesday and Thursday night, and they raised holy hell at Donald Trump about his policies at the damn border, okay? At the same time, Boogie, they never said one damn word about the pedophilia, the trafficking, the drug cartels, the things that are boom, 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 are American citizens. Mm. Never mention an angel mom family. Never mention an angel dad family. Never mention the people that have been killed by illegal aliens. Never mention any of that. But it was all about Donald Trump's racist policies. God forbid, again, that we have a detention center where conditions are not the best. And that was their motive for ripping our country and saying that we don't need to criminalize people coming across. That's the analogy I can give. Yep. And that's that's the epitome of our nation right now, sadly, here in this country, with the Democratic side on the left. Well, uh, it's because... And the media, too. No, no, that's fair enough. And I think part of the problem is they're competing with each other to be the most, you know, the most progressive, right? Um, yeah, I when that. I would suspect the... The, the leader would be the leader would be somebody who comes out and sets himself apart from the rest of the group and I don't think in this current crop of Democrat nominees that anybody really has the balls to do that in any great way so that's the problem they're facing Donald Trump got elected by setting himself apart from the rest of the candidates right? Donald Trump was prepared to say things that the other candidates were not especially when it comes to things like illegal immigration and trade and borders and whatnot right 
Donald Trump was more right. prepared to be the one to say, no, 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 screw these guys, I'm different. And that's if you set yourself apart, you give yourself the best possible chance. I would be worried right. if one of the Democrat politicians came out and said uh, something along the lines of, hey, although we recognise the plight of people who want to come to the United States, the best way to have people come to the United States in an orderly fashion is to have a strong and robust border situation Therefore, people are going to be more likely to support high immigration numbers in the sectors that we need them. You know, we're going to look out for our American blue-collar workers first. Um, we, the, I am going to make the Democrat Party the party of the working class and the middle class again. And we are going to take down, you know, the business lobby and the rich, the rich Republicans and the country club Republicans and return this government back to a government of the people for the people. If, if a Democrat politician came out and made a speech like that, look out. Because there would be your nominee, right? But unfortunately, Absolutely. none of them, Absolutely. none of them have the guts to do it. None of them. Have the- well, they don't, Boogie. And I'm gonna tell you, you know who the, I thought the the biggest, the the a, 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 the story to me. You mentioned Ryan from Ohio. The two most sensibly talking Democrats on that stage are polling less than one percent right now. Yep. But the Democratic Party wants nothing to do with them, and Tim Ryan's one of them. Mm-hmm. And I think Michael Bennett's the other one. Uh, Bennett was the one on Wednesday night or Thursday night that was basically echoing Tim Ryan's sentiment and saying, look, guys, we're being portrayed like a bunch of socialists and we're acting like it. Mm-hmm. And we need to knock it off. We're yep. disconnected. He'll get and booed nobody off the stage. Listen. He'll get booed off the yeah. stage. Booed off the stage. And uh, I, there was a story out on Breitbart this week that Chuck Todd, he talked more than seven out of those 10 Democratic candidates on Wednesday night and talk more than about the same number on Thursday night. That's how messed up this this whole thing is right now. Fantastic. And I'm just, it's just comical to me, man. It's just comical. Well, but anyway, look at, look nothing- at, here's, here's a little, here's a little um, info for you, Chris. And this is something I came across earlier in the week. Um, it was actually Robert Barnes who was saying this. Now, Robert Barnes is the lawyer for InfoWars, right? So yeah. he's, he knows his stuff. He's also a big gambler on politics because in other countries you're allowed to bet on political races. I'm not sure that you can in the United States, but definitely here and in Europe you're allowed to gamble on politics, right? So he's made a lot of money gambling on elections. So he knows his stuff. It's like sports betting effectively. He said that a Democratic nominee, and nobody has won the Democratic nomination without being the number one candidate with African-Americans since the 1970s. And this is before the, the debate. He said Joe Biden is ahead. Joe Biden is very popular with the demographic of um, 45-year-old African-American women. Okay? He's very popular with that demographic. So he said what you'll see in the debate is all of the other candidates are going to be trying to tear shreds off Joe Biden and attack his popularity with African-Americans. Then what did you see Kamala Harris come out and do? Joe Biden, uh, you know, talking about busing in the 60s. He absolutely nailed it. He nailed exactly what was going to happen. And um, Joe Biden looked like a fish out of water, didn't he? He He didn't know what to do. I think the game's gone past him. I, I would I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Biden becomes the nominee, but I would suspect a large portion of Democrats, especially younger ones, do not want Joe Biden to be the nominee. They don't they want don't. Joe Biden. They don't. And Boogie, I think it's going to do to them what it did in 2016. Yes, it's going to bust that party to pieces. Yep. And uh, 
By the way, Bernie, if you're listening to us tonight, just in case you've come across the Mac files, uh, the last time that CNN did a poll that showed you guys up by 10 was the night before the election in mm. 2016. So your dumbass comment about, well, the polls are showing us up 10 points over Trump, so we socialists, we got it. Hell, we're resonating in America because we're these polls are showing we're up by 10. That's, that's real brilliant, Bernie. This is freaking June of 2019. <laughs> and, I mean, the election... It's 18 months away. I want them. I want them to carry that. I want them to be confident in the fact they're up by 10 on Trump uh, because CNN is telling them that, that they're up 10 because the Socialist Party is being embraced. Y'all, y'all go ahead and do that. That that'd be great. That that that'll be. Hey, let me ask you a question. Where does the Aussie stand with all this? Y'all are looking at this. Mm-hmm. And Boogie, I want to tell you something. I'll say this. I really do this. Mean this sincerely. I we're friends for a lot of reasons, but. I've always, always, from the day I've met you, I've always respected you. You, and I told somebody this today about you, I did. We were talking about you. The years were burning. It was good. But I told him, I said, of all the people that I know that don't live in this country, you and Base Amy, but you especially, uh, you are more patriotic about America than most Americans are. And I've always appreciated that in you. And I've always respected you for that because Australia and America are connected, but there's not two. You can't say that about a lot of people in other countries that feel that way about our country. You just can't. I mean, that's an exception. I'm curious from your angle, sitting down under down there, what are y'all looking at this right now and seeing all this take place over our nation? How do y'all feel about our country right now? Uh, Well, it's obviously mixed. I can speak for myself Uh, in, in terms of the rest of the country, I suspect. Australia is funny. It's the media. It's 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 very. There's very two extremes here. Uh, the corporate press, uh, you know, much like in America, likes to portray you know political correctness, and everybody hates Donald Trump. Australia can be a little bit lefty when it comes to economics, but culturally very anti-PC. You know, we're right. culturally conservative and economically to the left. I think would be a good way to describe Australian gotcha. politics, generally speaking. Um. But we, the campaigns that are run in America, most Australians laugh at what happens in the United States. But I don't think in a vicious way. It's just very different to the way campaigns are done here. You know, even the electing of the leader. Uh, we don't have a presidential campaign. What happens here is you elect the party to become the government and then the government elects the leader. You know, the party themselves elect who's going to be the prime minister. We don't, we don't have a direct say on who the prime minister is. That's just the way it works. So... Um, for that reason, it's a lot less about personality here and more about the party and more about party politics than it is in the United States. Whereas in the United States, you know, people on the same in the same party often argue publicly, you know, often vote against what the party wants. And, you know, the presidential campaigns are all about the individual person, not necessarily about the party, right? So it's, it's a very right. different Great dynamic, point. very different dynamic. Um, and uh, I wanted to just go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're right. You're right. You go ahead. No, I, I was just going to ask you because since we talked, y'all had a miracle down there with your elections. Uh, mm. I remember, and I, I still laugh a little bit about your reaction <laughs> before the election. Boogie was saying, um, uh, Chris, I need your prayer. I need drinks. I need a lawyer. I need an exorcist. I think we're going to all die down here <laughs> before the election. Well, but, interestingly, <laughs> interestingly, in that case, um, pers- the personality of the leader, Scott Morrison, actually did come into play because the party was viewed so unfavorably by the electorate, 
his campaign, he he made it all about him and he dragged the party over the line himself to get elected. And it's now the case for Scott Morrison um, because we've had a lot of issues here with prime ministers getting stabbed in the back and thrown out before an election. Uh, We've had, what, six or seven prime ministers in the last 10 years, something like that. Ridiculous number. But now all of the people who were involved in the previous coups are now gone from the government. And he can basically do whatever he wants because he won the unwinnable election. So he has no challenges in the party. Everybody's on board with Scott Morrison and he is the driving force of the party now. He can, he could potentially lead a John Howard-style dynasty. John Howard was in power for 12 years here. Yeah, and he could guy. do it again. He could do it again. So very interesting stuff. Yeah, his personality came into play a lot in that election. To Boogie's defense, after the election was over, he said, I still need the drink and the priest, but I think the exorcist is not needed. <laughs> oh, what's I was proud of you guys. Honestly, I'm saying that jokingly, buddy. Like, I'm proud. I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud. But again, Boogie, it goes back to this insanity. You cannot trust a poll. No. And people should learn that by now. Because, I mean, I'm telling you, the, the, the outline polls 24 hours before y'all's election was that the liberal wing of your 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 nation was going to take you guys back into the freaking dark ages man yep. this was this was powerful what took place in australia and the same thing's going on with britain and i i want you to just speak to that a little bit cuz I, I like to talk to i know you know a lot about british you you know a little bit about the brexit thing and look at Nigel farage man 6 weeks 6 weeks is a party and they tear the daggum parliament to pieces mm-hmm. the biggest majority may's gone and, and basically, Farrar just put Boris Johnson on notice. If your ass don't get us a full Brexit, your ass is gone too. Yes. I mean, they have basically put the, the screw to the English. And, and Donald Trump, President Trump, has told Britain over and over, if you'll get out of Europe, if you'll get out of the EU, you're going to have a trading partner with the U.S. We're going to have you back. Yep. And they still, she still tried to keep them in that European Union with a half in, half out thing. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm proud of Nigel. I'm proud of this whole populist movement across this country and this world, Boogie. And that's why America is so important. Look, people want to know why I'm passionate. And look, Chris don't get everything right. Chris sticks his foot in his mouth from time to time. I say some things and sometimes I wish I would re- word differently. But Boogie, at the heart of this show, at the heart of this crazy gray-headed dude, is a heart that loves this nation. And i tell you why I love President Trump. Because what he's doing here is reverberating all over the world. Brazil has a Trump now. Italy has a Trump now. Australia has a Trump now. Britain's about to have a Trump soon. They're going to get, this is going to be fixed. And, and, and it's not just America, buddy. It's going to be felt all over this world. And it's, it's a purpose for that spiritually. I don't want to get into tonight. But there is something going on all over this globe. And the elites are running scared they don't know what to do about it to stop it other than this bullshit that we heard on that stage with the democratic party is just open these borders and destroy your sovereignty destroy your voting process and destroy your legal system that's their answer that's the only thing they can do to stop this yep Uh, i think what it represents is you know liberalism or neoliberalism worldwide in the western world is collapsing now I mean, you can take Angela Merkel, for example. Did you know two years before the migrant crisis in Europe, Chris, Angela Merkel was on record saying that multiculturalism has failed. 
that I saw. I remember that. I remember her saying that. I do. Right? So this is not the, the, these things that are you know popping up now. These movements that are popping up. It's not new. Um, you know, and I, I wouldn't say that Donald Trump has started it, but what Donald Trump has done has put a. He's made himself the the focal point of it. Um, you know, he's not. He didn't invent all of these ideas that are you know happening around the Western world. I think it's a natural reaction to what comes from four or five decades of one side of the ideological debate having the ascendancy and then going too far. Um, You know, liberalism isn't all bad, you know, but what we are faced with today is not liberalism in its traditional sense of the word. Once upon a time in the American context, to be a liberal meant to be small government, free market, guns and free speech. I mean, what the hell happened? Where the hell did that go wrong, right? Exactly. Exactly. The monster that we're dealing with here, it's it's not liberalism. It's a it's a two headed demon beast spawned from the asshole of Satan, which is something else entirely. It's not it's not liberal. So the reaction against this this is this is why I think you'll find a lot of you know actual classical liberal type characters are against you know the the more tyrannous. Uh, arm of their own movement here, the ones that want to stifle free speech, the ones that want to dissolve national sovereignty, the ones that want to open the borders to unchecked numbers of people and say to the people who are native in the countries, you you will not say any word against it. If you say one thing against it, you are evil, you are wrong, you're a bigot, you're a xenophobe. There are plenty of traditional, you know, left-wing voters in the Western world who are standing around looking at each other now going, is that us? Is that our party doing this? What the hell is going on? And so, you know, with Donald Trump, Donald Trump got elected because of the blue wall states. Without that, he doesn't get in, right? Brexit got over the line because of longtime Labor voters in the Northeast, right? That's right. And Labor, Labor voters would never vote for a Tory. They hate the Tories. And it goes back to Margaret Thatcher and the mining strikes and all of this stuff. They hate Tories, but they voted for Brexit anyway. Um, the the reason that the left-wing party lost the election here is because they wanted it to be the woke election. If you vote for us, we're going to do 100%, 50% renewable energy. We're going to uh, ramp up taxation. We're going to ramp open the borders, right? And long-time left-wing voters in Australia said, uh-uh, I don't think so, honey. I don't think so, honey. That's going too far. So this is this is the reaction. So this, I think, is what you find in Western politics, be it America, the United Kingdom, Australia, other Western European nations. Same thing happening in France now. <clears throat> Same thing happening in France. Same thing happening in Germany, right? It's happening all over the place. It is a natural reaction to the overreach of the other side. And the other side are actually making enemies of their own supporters, one by one by one by one. And Boogie, I would I would even go a little bit further and stretch that even to the Middle East a little bit. I think it's about to happen in Iran. I think once these mullahs, the people are going to finally get tired. They're going to rise up at some point, and they've got an ally now in the White House, not an enemy, the people. I'm not talking about the mullahs. See, with Obama, the mullahs had the ally. The people had the enemy. With Donald Trump, President Trump, the people have the ally. The mullahs have an enemy. And I think that if they rise up this time, they're going to have the full force of the United States behind them. They're crying out, buddy, for the same thing you just described. They're crying out, man. That's what they want. That's what they've always wanted. 
That's really what everybody in the Middle East has wanted. Does it mean they want an American-type democracy? No, because you can't import democracy. You can't export democracy to a country and a part of the world that hadn't had anything but Sharia law and Muslim law for 6,000 years. I mean, you just can't expect them to just embrace our Western style of government. They're never going to do that. And that's why we need to stay the hell out of there. Let them fight it out, you know, mm-hmm. but don't don't be getting in the middle of this cousin fight. Yep. This is what they are. They're all cousins. And I mean, crap with it. Don't get in there. But I yep. do believe that this populist spirit, this spirit of whatever it is that's going on in the world right now, is going to infiltrate that part of the world for a season very soon. I do. I, I, I have I got a lot of faith in that. By the way, I, I can't let you get away with the comment about being the spawn of Satan's asshole. Thank you for giving my enemies now a description of Chris. Now that'll be on every uh, <laughs> website. A description of the Mac Files host, the spawn of Satan's asshole. Two-headed demon beast. Spawn from Satan's asshole. <laughs> Two-headed demon beast. I was trying to hold it in. I was trying not to laugh while you were talking. I like to bust it out laughing. I said, that's priceless. I'm going to have to go get a T-shirt on that. Mac Files, hosted by. The two-headed <laughs> demon beast. Absolutely. He spawned asshole. I like that. That's good. Hey, buddy, we got about 10 minutes or so. Uh, I, I do want to compliment your Aussie prime minister. I love it. Uh, we'll get off Australian politics, but he did take on the climate changers, and he, he didn't have no problem with it. He just recently came out and said, you climate people, y'all are nothing but just part of the new world order, and it's just a bunch of BS. And I, I just love that about him already. I mean, I just I think this guy has got his understanding that this 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 all crap. You know, I think President Trump's going to have a great ally down under. I do. I think that oh, yeah. it's going to be another Howard Howard Bush thing to me. Don't you yeah. think? Yeah, I, I think there's definitely the potential for that. And you know, Scott Morrison's not perfect, but Donald Trump's not perfect either. And you know, but the right. things that they get wrong are far less confronting to me than the things that they get right. Whereas the flip side, on you know, on the other side of the spectrum, that's reversed. So the things that they get right over there are very small, and the things that they get wrong are very dangerous indeed. Just with Scott Morrison, the day after he was elected, he was at the football game, you know, at the football, watching his favourite team with a beer in his hand, wearing the jersey of the team that he follows, and he was there incognito, you know, wearing a hat, trying to just blend into the crowd, just sitting in the crowd, mingling with the crowd. Then they put him up on the big screen and everybody gave him a cheer and he stood up and waved and held his beer up and took a swig of his beer. I mean, you know, that's that's the kind of prime minister that uh, endears himself to, you know, even though he's not, you know, the working class man, so to speak, that's the kind of thing that the working class voter identifies with. Um, they don't identify with the coastal elites declaring that middle class and working class people are inherently racist and bigoted and xenophobic and wrong for not wanting to compete with millions of people from the third world for their little blue-collar job that they use to put food on their table. That doesn't work. I'm with you. I'm with you a million million times, buddy. Hey, got about 10 minutes. Rapid-fire questions real quick. Uh, Quick answers to them. Uh, Census, uh, SCOTUS, Supreme Court comes back, says uh, citizenship question here cannot be put on the census. Trump says, screw y'all, I'm going to do it anyway. Because uh, it's really a lower court situation that blocked this anyway. They mm-hmm. just tried to take it. And all they said, basically, give us more information. Uh, told the administration, bring us your argument. You didn't really frame it right. Uh, does that win out ultimately? I don't see how you can say that putting a question on a census, whether you're a citizen or not, is unconstitutional. I think that sort of me why you have a census, right? To get a count of your citizens, not yes. your illegals. Yes. Um, wasn't it previously on the census? 
I think point? it was. I think, and I think somebody was trying to see the Democrats wanted it yanked. I think that's right. I, maybe that's what all this was. I thought for some reason they. I think it may have been on the census, and they had it, and somewhere probably in one of the liberal times we had it yanked off. Uh, when all this clamoring about the illegals coming in, we didn't want to offend nobody. Mm. And I think that the, the Trump administration is trying to keep it on. So uh, well, the, I, I just uh, everybody I, everybody Ross, knows everybody knows why this is an issue. Surely by now, absolutely. yeah. The reason absolutely. the reason that some people want illegals counted on the census is because then the census numbers, the raw numbers, allocate the number of electoral college votes. So Without if you know, if just if there's 10 million illegals living in California and these people are no longer counted in the census as they shouldn't be because, well, they should be counted in the census, but they shouldn't be counted the same at the same level as people who vote. That's the problem. That's right. So if That's 10 million potential voters are taken out of that population grouping, all of a sudden California loses a big chunk of electoral college seats and they can't have Excellent. that. They cannot no. have that. Uh, they want Excellent. those guaranteed. What is it? Fifty something? Is that how many? Electoral? Fifty-five. Fifty-five. They want those fifty-five in the bank every single election, Chris. So that's why this is an issue. So um, Donald Trump would be mad if he didn't pursue this. And you know the calls of racism and stuff. Well, that's just white noise, as far as I'm concerned. White noise. Yeah. Just push on. Push on with that one. Second quick question. Bob Miller's coming to the Hill July 17th to face the questions, which he will probably plead the fifth about a million times. It'd be like, Jim, yep. tell me, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, read yep. the report, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he'll do that to the Democrats and the Republicans. I'm, I'm thinking he will. I may be wrong. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you see anything coming out of this? Is this another yep. nothing burger? I think oh, it's going to be the Democrats' uh, regret. I don't think they – they think they want this, but I think – Oh, yes. If, I do not think this is going to be good for them. I, I don't no. see anything coming out of this for them. The optics are terrible. The optics are terrible. This is the guy that they built up over the last two years. He's a he's a Joe Joe Scarborough. It gives me a chance to do my Joe Scarborough, Chris. You know, you know, Mika, Mika. This guy, Bob Mueller, he's a hero. Okay, Mika, he is a hero. He's a war hero. And he is getting close. The noose is tightening around Donald Trump's neck, Mika. You cannot criticize. (laughs) Donald Trump criticizing this American hero is below the belt. And now all of a sudden, Joe Scarborough's up there saying, why won't Bob Mueller go to Congress? Bob Mueller needs to answer to the American people. I I want the Democrats to throw Bob Mueller in handcuffs and drag him into Congress. And the optics for this are going to be so terrible. He said to him, he said himself in his press conference, the report speaks for itself. I, I, I do not have any other question. There is no other uh, information I can give to you. So they are now going to drag this guy in and badger him and berate him and look for an opportunity where they can say, oh, look, there's some kind of cover up happening here. And they won't care. They will burn him to the ground if they have to in order to get to Donald Trump. And this will just show everybody in Washington that uh, working with the Democrats, it doesn't matter how faithful you are. It doesn't matter how much they like you. If you do not produce the result that they want, they will crucify you publicly like that. Without a doubt, bro. Like Without that. a doubt. And, and I will guarantee you when this is all over with, if they don't, if he don't give them what they want, Adam Schiff and Jared Nadler will be in front of that camera. Yep. We still have to get answers. We just yep. didn't get the answers we wanted from Bob Mueller. We're going to get to the bottom of this, I mm-hmm. promise. Mm-hmm. 
gag. Yep. But uh, I will say this, and I hope the Republicans that are not at least the ones that hadn't sold out yet. I hope uh, Meadows and Jordan and um, a guy out in Louisiana is pretty tough. Uh, Kelly, I believe is his name. Uh, they're they're pretty tough. They're pretty tough amigos, and I think that they're waiting. Gets gets be another one. Gets would be a, an interesting question there. Yep, Gates, yep. You know, yeah, Matt Gates. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna lay the hammer down, and he's gonna have to answer a lot of questions, Boogie. I mean, he's gonna have to answer some questions if he's willing to do it. I just see this as a shit show, and, and, and it's not going to be anything because he's not going to answer either side. You raise you raise a very interesting point, though. Uh, the Democrats are the ones pushing for this, right? So the Democrats are actually going to be giving an opportunity to the Republicans to get Bob Mueller in front of them and say, "Okay, Mister Mister Mueller." Uh, tell me, yep. how did this investigation start? What's on paragraph one? Uh, why did you not, if you knew that there was no collusion 12 months ago, why did you not make this information public, right? Like, so he's going to ha- have to answer those questions too. I, I didn't even consider that. You're right. Um, this could be the biggest own goal of all time by the Democrats, getting Bob Mueller in that situation. Because there are a lot of Republicans who would love to ask him a few questions too. Well, and I'd like to ask him a damn question. Bob, you knew about the FISA abuse. You had to know. Why didn't you go investigate? Why did you never one time call Jim Comey into your office and mm-hmm. and ask him point damn blank, what in the living F were you doing getting a FISA warrant on a dossier yep. that you can't prove, that yep. even the guy that wrote it said he couldn't prove it, and you damn spied on Carter Page, you spied on Papadopoulos, you sent two agents over there with Halper, to basically set George Papadopoulos up, who spent 10 days in jail on a bullshit misdemeanor charge. We got Paul Manafort rotten in prison over an economic charge. They haul Roger Stone out in the middle of the morning on a bullshit charge. They they haul, uh, 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 who was the other one that they did something to? Um, Flynn. You got yes. General Flynn. That has page. been... Yeah, Carter Page, all of them. And Boogie, let me let me just interject Flynn here a minute. We've got to wrap this up. But let me tell you what I think they're scared of. I think they're more scared of General Flynn than they are Bob Mueller, and I'll tell you why. Because if Flynn changes his plea, and everybody I've talked to, uh, I really believe that they believe that the reason he fired his legal team was to, to, to remove his guilty plea. Mm-hmm. They do not want him seeing the inside of a courtroom with a trial, brother, because then it will get real. Mm-hmm. Because then Bob Mueller becomes the testimony he becomes the defendant in the trial the government becomes the defendant because at some point they're going to have to ask the government where'd you get your information from why did you why did you go into that room and not read general flynn's rights peter stork yep why went he under the impression that he wasn't doing a uh he you know he he claims that you know you claim he was under oath but he said y'all never told him he was under oath they're gonna have to answer a hell of a lot of questions boogie and it's not just about him being found not guilty it's going to be, they're going to have their asses turned on them and inside out, and all this investigation revealed to be the fraud it has been. Look, this has the potential to get to the very answers we've been seeking, all of us, for 18 months without there even even being a Horowitz report. Mm-hmm. This Miller testimony may be the best thing, the best gift the Democrats have given the Republicans, probably since they've been a Democratic Party, in summoning Bob Mueller to Congress. I really believe that as we wrap it up tonight. Final thoughts. Yeah, it could well be. Um, It wouldn't be the first time in the last two years that the Democrats in their blind rage and blind fury in order to do whatever it takes to bring down Donald Trump go way too far on an idea which they probably should reconsider. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that that's happened, is it? 
you know, like so. Uh, no, uh, it probably won't be the last. Probably and, uh, won't be the last. I, I guarantee you, Trump will get reelected in 2020, and they'll still be trying to get him out. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, 20, 2024. Yeah. We got to get Trump out of office. He'll have two years left to go in his term. We got to impeach him. We got to get him out. My God, we can't handle. We can't handle six years. Oh my God! And look, but let not, me ask you one quick question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I was just, just, just going to say. I was just going to say. I, I'm not somebody who thinks that the Trump election is secured, like is a sure thing in 2020. But with things like this, with things like this, they're making it very easy for him. They're making it much oh, easier than it needs to be. Well, absolutely, Boogie. I'm with you a thousand percent there. And we got to fight. We do. But I, I do believe people are looking at this and they, and look, even if they don't like Trump, same thing with Hillary. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there were many, many Republicans and independents that told me we did not like Trump, but we looked at the alternative and we said, hell no. Yep. Hell no. Yep. And I think yep. the same thing is developing right now. Look, you could you'd have to be a damn fool to look at those clowns on that stage and name one of them. One. One. And I can only name, there was probably Ryan was the most reasonably sounded of them all, and he don't have a prayer in hell. He, nope. he, he's going to be gone by the end of the year. He won't even nobody, be in the race. Because nobody knows who he is. He's got no brand no, recognition. Who he is. can't raise the money, and he's not going to go anywhere. There's none of them that I would want running in this country, based upon what I heard coming out of their damn mouth the other night. But I just think the, the alternative is going to be another hell no, that we don't need this, that mm-hmm. we, we don't need this shit running our country. Um, President Trump. Um, and I, I lost my train of thought, but I, I, I know what it was. Have you ever been, I mean, you're about the same age, Boogie. What, how, have you ever seen an attempted coup by a group of people, a party, not just a group of left-wing extremists, but a political party to undermine a sitting president like this party, the Democratic Party, has done to President Trump in your lifetime? I sure uh-huh. haven't. Well, being an Australian, unfortunately, yes, numerous times, <laughs> numerous <Okay>. times. <laughs> um, you know, Tony I'll Abbott. Tony Abbott was removed way. by his own party, stabbing him in the back. Before that, yeah. the late before that, the Labor Party. Uh, Kevin Rudd was elected in 07. He was removed by his own party in 09, I think, by Julia Gillard. They then removed Julia that. Gillard and reinstalled yeah. Kevin Rudd again. <laughs> so he was then defeated by Tony Abbott. Tony Abbott was removed by Malcolm Turnbull. Malcolm Turnbull was removed by Scott Morrison. So, I mean, we have a long history of these kinds of coups. But I think the difference here is uh, that was always internal party politics. You know, that was a group of party members deciding, okay, we don't want this guy as the leader anymore. We need to get rid of him. In this case, what's happening in the United States, this is people outside the politics. This is people in what are supposed to be the unbiased, objective security services who are deciding for themselves and for the rest of the nation, we need to get rid of this president. And that's, I think that's what makes it so egregious. You know what I mean? It's outside of the political machine. It's something, it's a whole new level of unethical. And I just want to push back on uh, your claim that we're about the same age. You're about 20 years my senior, I'll have you know. I know, I know, I know. I've got a head like a beaten favorite, and a face that only a mother could love. But God help me, if I look, if I look fifty, then I am in, I am in dire straits, <laughs> dire straits. I said it just to get a reaction. I knew I'd get a reaction. Mission I mean, accomplished. I, the, I was waiting for the spot of Satan's asshole comment to come back to the front. So you spot of Satan's asshole. I am not. Mission accomplished, so, comrade. Well done. Yeah, well played, brother. 
That's all right. Hey, man, it's always good to see you, man. You, I, I, I appreciate your friendship above all things. I cherish that above all things. But I cherish your insight. I cherish your show. And, uh, you know, we've been knowing each other about a year and a half now. And uh, it's always been a great time together. We're going to have you back on soon. And uh, hopefully next time um, we get on the tap show, I won't fall asleep like I did that night. I don't blame you. <laughs> James back says, of course, he has to put up with me on Friday Night Pirate Radio. It probably is enough for James. James said, hell with this shit. I don't want to have some McDonald's no more than that one hour every night. And I'm just kidding. I know James R. may be in the audience. I love you both to death. I do. Y'all are like brothers to me. Y'all really are. And uh, Boogie, I- I'm just proud of you again. I'm proud of the country of Australia for what y'all accomplished with Morrison. And uh, as we pray for you guys down under, pray for us up here because we need it, man. It's a fight. We're fighting. We're both, you know, it's funny. We're both fighting for the soul of our nation. And uh, it's a different kind of, you know, your politics are a little different, but it comes down to the people. It still comes down to people and personality and ideology. When you get down to it, we're all the same out here in the world, you know. That's right. 100%. uh, We've been talking to the one and only Boogie Bumper. He has got a show called The Daily Boogie, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights at 11 o'clock Eastern. They follows the Mac Falls, and uh, sometimes when Chris gets a little long-winded, we're into his show a little bit, but we try to be out of the way by 11, and uh, we encourage you to watch Boogie and support him on Patreon as well. But I thank you again for your great interview today. It's just fun. Had a good time with you. Thanks, Chris. Likewise. Thank you. God bless you out there. God bless your families. God bless this great nation of America. We will be back with a final call right after this. Until next time, Chris McDonald and the Boogie Bumper. Have a good night, everybody. Be right back. Thank you.